Today's message is entitled The Family Business Culture. The Family Business Culture. Ah, there it is. The Family Business Culture, and it's coming from Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 11. Every business operation or corporation has a culture, all right? So every business, every environment, every operational systematic uh, business that's running has a culture. Startup businesses have a culture. For-profit businesses usually have a different culture than non-profit businesses. Uh, corporations have a culture uh, that's usually different from a small business, a mom and pop shop. So a corporation with 500 employees has a different culture than a small business with three employees. Are you tracking? So there are some contemporary cultures. There are some traditional cultures. There are modern cultures. There are all types of different cultures that exist in businesses. So today we want to highlight what is God's culture? What is the culture of the family business? But what is corporate culture? And I borrowed this from Investopedia from online just to give you a, a, a concept of, of what this culture is. And the corporate culture refers to the beliefs and behaviors that determine how a company's employees and management interact and handle outside business transactions. So in other words, the culture refers to the beliefs and behaviors uh, that are determined in a company and how the employees interact with management, how the company interacts with its customers. It's a culture. And often the culture is implied it is not always expressly defined and it develops organically over time from the cumulative traits of the people the company hires. So in other words, whether there's written documentation or not, whether there are actual policies in place of a culture, it really doesn't matter. If you put enough people in a room, if you put enough people in an operation, it of itself will develop a culture based on the traits of the people who are in that unit. Are you tracking with me? So watch this now. So when we talk about the family business, I guarantee you there is a culture. There is a culture in your household. Your family has a culture. Our race has a culture. So a company's culture will be reflected, watch this, in its dress code, a company's culture can be reflected in its business hours, its office setup, um, whether they like, you know, open settings or single offices. Uh, it reflected, culture is reflected in employee benefits, um, how they handle turnover, uh, hiring decisions, treatment of clients, client satisfaction, and every other aspect of operations. Culture can impact everything. So I want you to understand that culture is no small thing. And that's why I'm taking the time to introduce this perspective to you. And some of you may have never heard of it. You've been involved in it, but you didn't know that's what it was called. Everyone has experienced a workplace culture if you work a job. Everyone has experienced culture in some way. So now that we know what it is, let's talk about what it does and what is its significance. So when we talk about culture, we talk about culture, we're talking about, to some degree, people say, you know, my culture, um, we're talking about, refer to sometimes the ethnic culture. So even in our everyday lives, it is implied, it is not defined uh, as well. The United States has a culture, all right? So when people talk about the Western culture, right, versus the Eastern culture, the U.S. is a Western um, uh, country. So the, the U.S. has a culture. African-Americans have a culture. In other words, 
There's a way that we African-Americans do things. There's a way that Latinos do things. There's a way that Caucasians do things. They develop cultures based on the uh, conglomeration of their interaction with one another, how they relate to each other in management, employee, friends, family, parents, all of that. Are you tracking so far? Now, I want you to understand this. I'm going to say this and I have it in bold in my notes. A good culture improves your brand and image. A good culture improves your brand and image. So in other words, if you're part of a good culture, it will improve you. Ah, so watch this. I'm going somewhere. Sherelle, I'm talking about when you have a good culture, when you come from a good culture, it ought to improve your brand and image. So that must mean that God has established a family business culture that he wants to influence his brand and image in a positive way. Some examples of of reward of, of, of a good culture would be something like in the corporate world, uh, rewarding high performers. In other words, doing something to applaud those people who do well on the job, not focusing on hours worked, but production achieved. So in other words, instead of grinding people by, you're supposed to do 20 hours, you're supposed to do 10 hours. How much have you produced? So some cultures don't clock you by the hours, they clock you by production. So they come up with creative ways and ideas to enhance the brand and image by applauding the employees and helping them feel more comfortable about working and serving there. Uh, Watch this. So God understands that sometimes he will applaud you and reward you for the things that you have done, the faithfulness you have achieved, that he may not necessarily clock you about how many hours you prayed, but what was the quality of the prayer that you prayed uh, so that you feel good. In other words, he'll reward you. He's not going to penalize you because you didn't do 12 hours of reading scripture, but you did three hours and that was actually more potent. Google is a company that gives its employees free meals. This is a culture that a lot of people like to apply to Google. I have applied to Google. They didn't hire me, but Google has a dog-friendly culture. Now, you go to some businesses, you can't bring your dog up in there. It's dog-friendly. It's an open environment. It has park-like areas where you can come out of the office and then go sit in the park right outside on the premises. This Google company um, notices and recognizes the value of its employees and gives it benefits and perks. So basically, care about your employees and they will care about your business. So God says, in similar fashion, he creates a culture where the people, the believers, those of you and me, franchise owners, have to feel like we are valuable in this kingdom. And so when I preach to you, I try to preach to you in a way that doesn't demean you or devalue you, but helps to point out your best qualities so that you know you're important to the kingdom of God. Zappos, a company, offers, watch this now, this is funny, D-Lo, Zappos offers $2,000 to anyone who completes their first week of training and doesn't feel like the company is a good fit. (laughs) In other words, they'll pay you $2,000 to leave them (laughs) if the company's not a good fit. In other words, they're saying, we value you so much, we want to make sure it's a win-win process for both you and us. So sometimes these cultures create environments that help people feel better about themselves. I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. Companies give continued education programs. They pay for your education. They give you perks. They have rooftop meetings. They have parties, um, staff gatherings, staff retreats. These are all cultures that are provided. Now, the last one I want to tell you about is Twitter. Twitter and other giants have distinctive cultural elements as well. In other words, that's part of why they are desirable companies to work for. So in other words, when you work for a company with a good culture, it makes you desirable. I'm going to say that again. When you work for a company that has a good culture, it makes you desirable. 
So as we talk about God, God, I feel him already. Hallelujah. When we talk about God establishing a family business, he has a business with a culture. And his desire is to make sure that culture is a good culture so that when you go out to serve him, you are, he is desirable. Uh, but enough for the secular corporate perspective. Let's turn this in to see what the culture is for our family business. Let's talk about the culture for the family business. God's family culture. God's family business has a culture. And what we're asking here is, are there any identifiable aspects of God's business that defines our business culture? Stay with me, Shauna. All I'm saying is, just as we were able to define and the identifiable perks and benefits of Google and Twitter and Zappos, are there any things that identifiable about the family business that we could say are immediate perks of the business culture? Ah, God, I could think of one. and This is off my notes, but, but how about when you make a mistake? Instead of God punishing you, he forgives you. The culture says, if your brother harms you seven times, how many times should you forgive him? Seven times? No, he says 70 times seven. So it is a culture that doesn't destroy you. It's a culture that builds you up. Well, let's look at the text. We've got a scripture that, that gives you that, but I want, I want to point out these identifiable elements of the business culture of God to help us see what that is. Philippians 2 is a perfect scripture to establish uh, a culture at your franchise. It's a perfect culture to apply your life for maximum productivity. So in other words, these, this scripture helps to give us a culture in your personal franchise, and it's the perfect culture to give you maximum productivity. So I want you to say this. I want you to understand this. The goal of a good culture is to maximize productivity through relational and environmental reciprocity. Watch this now. So God wants to establish a culture where you can maximize your productivity through the relationships and the environments that you uh, walk in and live in on a daily basis. God says, I want a culture that will maximize your productivity as you relate to your spouse, as you relate to your boss, as you relate to the environments and elements in your life, I want to make sure that you have maximum productivity. So the Jesus's culture, Jesus's culture was love. It is love and love gives. So the whole culture is about giving and in giving, you will find your purpose. I'm going to set you up with this. I'm going to give you this in a moment, but when you are giving, when you're in the environment of a good culture that recognizes other people, you discover your purpose. Uh, let's go to the text now. Let's go. Let's look at Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4, and it says, Paul is saying here, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Verse four, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now listen to this. Most people go into business for whom? For themselves. And they live lives for themselves as well. They are deceived into thinking that if I can take care of me, then I'll be all right. Then I will help others. So people have the cart before the horse. People say, I'm going to go in business I'm going to make a lot of money and then I'll be able to help others. But the truth is, when we help others first, we are to help others first. And in doing so, watch this, 
we discover ourselves and we take care of ourselves in the process of taking care of others. Now watch this now. So in other words, when I cater my franchise to the concept of being a benefit to other people, in other words, I establish a business that creates a service or a product for other people, while running that business, I discover who I am. And in the discovery of myself, my needs begin to be met through the process of meeting the needs of other people. Stay with me. You look a little confused. Let me help you with this, Thomas. So the culture is this. Be like-minded. In other words, be in the family business with a like mind. Have the same love. Everybody online right here, Jana, Shanika, Shauna, Cousin Kevin, Lil Ben, uh, Devin, all of you should be like-minded as to what we are planning to get from this service, from this experience. We should all have the same level of love. We should be on one accord with the same mind lowly and modest in our perspectives, in our appearance, in the environment, not vanity, not a vain glory, but we should esteem others better than yourselves, seeking to make others rich before we make ourselves rich. So I'm just trying to, this is the culture. The culture is everybody on the same page. There are no big eyes and little U's. There are no 20 chiefs and uh, all of these, the rest don't matter. I'm, I'm trying to tell you the culture is one that embodies the spirit of love and giving to the betterment of other people. We're going to learn today that culture is germane and quintessential to purpose. Watch this now. If you get the right culture, you will get the right purpose. There are all kinds of people who say, I don't know what my purpose is and I I will guarantee you that their purpose has not been identified because they're in a poor culture. Now, watch this now. Meaning, listen, what I mean by that is where there is culture, you will find purpose. And where there is purpose, you will find culture. Now, find anybody who knows their purpose, who knows what they've been called to do, you will find a powerful culture that produces that purpose, that reveals, enhances, and supports that purpose. So remember I told you the culture was to help you maximize your productivity and to make you desirable. So when you're in the right culture, that culture provides the premise and the base for the establishment and forming of your purpose. So these examples are of culture that identify with purpose. So let me give you uh, an example, Lee Mack. An example of culture would be, let's say, let's take uh, law enforcement. Let's take law enforcement. Law enforcement environment is different because of the purpose it is required to do. It is called to protect and to serve. So if you go into a law enforcement office, you might find plexiglass, bulletproof windows, doors, not a real foo-foo kind of office. You don't see lounge chairs and couches. Why? Because the environment is set up, the culture is set up based on the purpose of the law enforcement job. Are you tracking with me? How about military? Military, you go to their office bases, minimal furniture, minimal things to, to be all, you know, you don't, you don't have a lot of internet and Wi-Fi and a bunch of stuff going on and VIP parking and this and that and green room for all. It's not conducive for that. That's not what they're there for. The military has an environment that is equal to its culture or its purpose. So how about you go to the therapist's office? Let's go to the therapist's office, Paula. Let's say you go to the therapist. In the, walk in the therapist. It's warm. It's comforting. Oh, the lights are low. Oh, they ask you, somebody asks you, would you like some tea, some coffee? Would you like some, are you comfortable? Is it too cold in here? In other words, the environment and the culture of that office fits its purpose. Please stick with me. Please do not jump off. I'm giving you something that's going to change your life. So what I'm trying to teach you is that purpose influences culture. 
And culture is the establishment of purpose. Ah, Watch this now. So when God talks about, listen, God, when God talks about establishing a business culture, I guarantee you he has purpose in mind. Ah, God. So in other words, when you're in the right culture, your culture will help to identify and reveal your purpose. So let's look at an example. Let's see how Jesus' purpose influenced the type of culture he had to flow in and now encourages the family business to perpetuate. So let's say, let's take Jesus for an example and let's talk about how his personhood or his purpose on earth established the culture that he was supposed to, to walk in. Now, note this, notice this. Jesus has always known his purpose. Jesus has always known his purpose. The only difference is we aren't born knowing our purpose. So how do we find it? How do we find our purpose? How do we get to what God wants us to do? And how do we establish the culture within which that purpose can be revealed? So again, I'm glad you asked. The reason Jesus perpetuates this culture is because he knows that in this culture, we discover who we are. So we can create and advance our own franchises based on his methodology. So in other words, as Jesus knew his purpose, we don't know our purpose. So God says, I'll give you a culture that will reveal your purpose. So I'm preaching the culture of the business. And if you take on this culture, it will lead you to your purpose. So as we embrace the heavenly culture, there we too can discover who we are and our purpose, which will thereby give us the potency of our franchise development and how we serve others in the world. Are you tracking? I'm giving you a lot of information, but it's, it's meaty. And, and it's Memorial Weekend, so you need barbecue. You need meat on them bones, amen? I'm not going to give you a fluffy cotton candy sermon. I'm giving you some meat. So let's dig deeper in the scripture and discover how we get this culture and maximize life in our purpose. Because you should be asking, how do I get this purpose then, PC? How do, how do I get it? So let's look at the scripture. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, have this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So let's use Jesus as today's example. Let's look at the man who was perfect in his purpose and establish a culture for us to find ours. So before we break out into our purpose, we must find our culture. We must get set up in a culture that enhances, that makes us feel uh, good, that makes us feel important, that makes us feel significant and like we matter. People perform better where they feel appreciated. I'll say that again. People perform better where they feel appreciated. So Jesus says, Paul says about Jesus, let this mind, let this attitude and mind of Christ be in you, which was also in Christ. So in other words, let his mindset be yours. Let his culture be yours. Act and think like Christ in every way. In other words, he's saying, get his culture. Paul is telling us to fit into the culture before we try to execute his purpose. The culture you will find is extremely revealing to your purpose. Culture has many faces and dynamics as we explained earlier. So in the culture of your experiences, there are many facets and dynamics to it which help to reveal your purpose. So now let's analyze what it takes to get to this stage. Let's go to the next text. The next text says in verse six, here are the steps that it takes. So we wanna have the mind of Christ, but here are the steps. Verse six says, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, all right? So Jesus, although he existed in the form of God, he was already in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, 
he didn't mind changing from that form of God to the form of man. So the first thing you need to do to establish culture, to find the right culture, is to be willing to, here it is, change your form. Change form. The first step to culture is to be willing to change form. And by form, the Bible means the form by which a person or thing strikes the vision. It is your external appearance. Appearance. It is what people see you as. So when we talk about Jesus had a purpose of dying, coming to earth, dying for us, he was completely God in heaven. So when he left heaven, he had to change his forms, which meant he needed to change his cultural environment. His environment in heaven was completely different. So let's look at the text here. The text again says, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped at. So in other words, he said to himself, I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm not going to stay in this stage when my purpose requires something different. Watch this now. You must be willing to change your form if you want the right culture. Some are so used to doing things their own way, but the discovery of culture is the courage to discover change. I'll say that again. The discovery of culture is the courage to discover change. It is not fearing the familiar. Jesus said, I will go from the form of God to the form of man. Now, we are just the opposite. We must change from the form of man to the form of God. Because Jesus said, I'm going to conform you. The Father said, I'm going to conform you to the image of my son. So listen, verse 6 tells us, as you see it on the screen there, it says, he thought, although he thought in the mind, being equal with God was not something worth holding on to. In other words, you, listen, the hardest thing to give up in life is what you had in mind for your life. In other words, once you set your mind and say, I'm going to be a millionaire at age 30, it's the hardest thing to realize that life doesn't work out the way you wanted it to, and you have to change your form in order to reach your purpose. If you try to make your life happen, if you try to force your life into what you had in mind at 20 years old, you idiot, you 40 now. Your life has changed. Your life has taken roads. You're different spiritually. You've matured in a whole completely different way. You must have the mind to change forms. And culture encourages you to change where you are to where God wants you to be. The mind doesn't form the purpose, but it forms the actions that lead to the purpose. In other words, you can't form the purpose with your mind, but you your, your, your mind will create the actions that will put you in the culture so you can identify your purpose. Is anybody tracking? You cannot be a Christian and be committed to your old ways. The very definition of Jesus coming to earth to save us was to change us. So everything about God is against staying the same. So those of you who are sitting there thinking that you're going to make it happen and you won't change, I got news for you. You are in the wrong culture and you will never form into your purpose. Naturally speaking, you're a creature of habit and that would be okay. Naturally, let's say you're a creature of habit. You're used to doing things one way, but you messed around cousin Kevin and you got saved. That's the problem. You, this is the family business. You're no longer in your personal business. This is the family business and the family business consists of people who got saved. So now that you are saved, you must give up what you had in mind from your unsaved mindset. You have got to change forms to adapt to the culture to make sure that your revelation unfolds so you can walk in your divine purpose. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying here? Then let me go to the next point. I'm glad you're tracking. I'm going to move on. Keep it moving. Verse 7 says, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So this text implies he emptied himself. I want you to focus on that. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Leave it there. So not only did he change his form, but he also had to change his flow. Here, God is trying to help us understand that it's not just about changing your appearance or changing what you had in mind. You also must change your flow. Watch this now. Changing the flow of your life is a lot like when I used to stand by the ocean and watch the waters trend in different directions at different times. In other words, the flow of the water determined its force in a particular direction. Uh, Depending on the flow of the water determined its force. Ah, God. Uh, if If you are not trending in the right flow, in the right direction, you will not have any force behind your flow. And we talk about that naturally. We talk about how do you flow? How, how, how do people flow? Your flow impacts or determines your force. I'll say that again. Your flow impacts or determines your force. So where there is no flow, yeah, there is no force. A little Ben, you hear me? Where there is no flow, there is no force. So Paul mentions what is called, he calls it in the Greek, it is called the great kinosis. The text says, it talks about, it means to change your flow. The Greek term is kinosis. It means to pour yourself out. No more pouring in. So watch this. The change of the flow is to pour yourself out instead of pouring stuff in. That's the change of the flow. The text means Jesus changed his flow and he poured himself out for us. And he created a new force and a new momentum for mankind on earth. Let me tell you this. Watch this now. Because man was on earth doomed, destined to go to hell because of the sin of Adam. Watch this now. Because Jesus changed his form and then changed his flow, he gave a new force to man on earth to actually have hope of becoming something powerful and having life instead of death and having heaven instead of hell. So because of Jesus's change of flow, God dog it, I have the opportunity of doing something worthwhile in the earth. So therefore we learn that culture changes when our flow changes for others instead of ourselves. So whenever you change your flow, it impacts the culture and you change your flow by changing your life to be interested in others instead of just yourself. I have this in bold, and I'll say this twice. The direction of your life must be for others. This is where you will find your maximum potential. The direction of your life must be for others, and this is where you find your maximum potential. So when I say change your flow, I'm saying change your life for other people. You discover who you are when you start giving yourself away. Watch this now. In other words, the more you pour yourself into something, the more you discover what you're good at and what you're not good at. I'm, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you here, Sharon. Listen, the point is, whenever you, what, what do you say? I'd like to be a flight attendant. Well, you try it. Well, what does that mean? You poured yourself into flight attendanting. So when you are a flight attendant, you were trying it. You went through training. You realize you don't like it. So in other words, when you start giving yourself toward things, you discover, ah, God, who you are. 
are. I'm trying to teach you. Many people don't know their purpose because they won't change their flow, meaning they are stuck and adamant in their own ways. It's got to be done my way or you go the highway. They don't try risks. They don't take risks. They won't try anything new. And so then they come back and complain to God. I don't know my purpose. Well, you won't try anything I keep putting in front of you. And what I mean by pouring yourself into something is you throw yourself at it. Uh, When I became a preacher, I threw everything at it. When I write my music, I throw everything at it. When I decided to have children, I threw everything at it. Do you get what I'm saying? Whatever it is God puts in front of you, if you're going to be a manager, a supervisor, or work at that job, pour yourself out in it. Many people don't pour themselves out and instead they do the same thing and they miss it. So look at the text. It's on the screen. The screen, the text says he emptied himself and that's what kinosis means. The Greek really means he poured himself out, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. So what this means is that when you pour, watch this now, this is juicy. Oh my God, who haven't I called? Rocky, Rocky, listen to this. Listen, this is good, Rocky. Listen, in other words, to pour yourself out and to take on the form of a servant means that you pour yourself out. Watch this. And listen, instead of being a single stream from a pitcher or a faucet, you begin to flow in the flow of the larger body of water. Oh my God. So instead of just being poured out, in other words, you pour out a pitcher And while you're being poured, you're a single thread of water. But that water goes into a big ocean, a larger sink of water. So what you do is you integrate with the culture. You pour yourself out. You become a part of the culture. In other words, throw yourself in something so much that you become a part of it. You will never know how good you are at something while trying to do it at a distance being stank having an attitude. Well, I don't know if I really want to do this. I'm not really committed to it. Well, then don't try it. But whenever you get involved in something, integrate with the culture. In other words, be there. If you're going to be in the relationship, be in it. If you're going to be married, then be married. Don't be married and say you're still single. The principles, listen, let the principles there get into your mind. Let the culture get into your, your flow. Throw yourself at it, not just your talent. They don't want just your skills. They don't want just your education. Be what you preach. That's what I'm saying. In other words, be the product. Don't just sell the product. Be the, become love, become mercy, become forget. Oh God, that's all right. All y'all going to jump off because a lot of people are just religious by culture. You're religious by culture. You're not religious by belief. Start pouring yourself out like a solution and see what soil or life you have the most impact on. In other words, you're a solution to something. Pour yourself on it and see if it works. I had to turn over some dirt yesterday and I'm planting some seed. I had to put some seed to get the grass going back. So the summer is coming. It's getting hot. The sun is out. So I have to pour water on it to see if it's going to have impact. I'm saying to you, pour yourself in the job to see if you have impact. If you're dating somebody, pour yourself into the relationship and see if you have impact. If she ain't liking you, if it don't take, if they break out in hives, if they start getting attitude and angry all the time, that's not the soil for you to be poured on. Find you. Do you get what I'm saying? In other words, empty yourself out on something that receives you. Empty yourself into a culture that embraces you. Stop forcing yourself into cultures that are tolerating you. I don't need nobody to tolerate me. I need you to want me. God dog it. Whoa, watch this. Jesus didn't empty himself of his divinity nor his equality with God, but the reference is to his physical appearance. So when I say empty yourself out, I'm not saying stop being who you are. I'm not saying give up your rights. I'm not saying let people walk over you. I'm saying just change your appearance to identify with the culture I'm preaching now. This is good. You want to go from the form of 
God to the form of a servant. And people need to be able to see you as a servant, not as God. People needed to see Jesus in a human form, not as a big old bright light as God from heaven. Are you tracking? And being made in the likeness of men refers to how he got a body, meaning he had to be born just like us. He had to identify. So Mary had to give birth. In a manger, Jesus comes out in swaddling clothes. He comes through the canal of the regular female process and he is born for what? To say, I went through all of this here for you. I am God. You hear me? Ain't no reason why I need to be coming through somebody uteruscus and, and trying to, uh, that's funny. But uh, listen, I don't, I, I, I don't need to be coming through somebody sitting up in nine hours or somebody's stomach for nine months. I'm God. But he changed his flow. So you could have an opportunity to be born again. In other words, he became the first fruit. He became the example of what we could have the example of becoming. He was born just like us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And no one, watch this, I love this, Lil Ben. No one could visibly, physically see his deity from an outward perspective. He just changed his flow. In other words, you are powerful. You, listen, he remained full of God, but he lived as if he were empty. In other words, he walked around just like a regular man. He had to eat and drink and he had dirty feet from sandals. Just In other words, nobody knew he was God. He could have floated on air, but he didn't. He took on the form of the culture. So I'm saying whatever you give yourself to, it will reveal a truth about you and give important insight about your purpose. Assimilate to it. Get into it. And don't stand out. Don't seek to be all the one pointed to. Merge in and let your purpose begin to flow in the regular flow of the... Oh my God, I hope you're getting this. Listen, let's go to the next one. I got to wrap it up. Let's go to the next one. And so he says, being formed in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So I want to focus on the first part of eight, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. So initially he changed his form, he changed his flow, but now he's going to change his fashion. Uh, The Bible says he changed his fashion. It said he was found in the appearance of man. Oh, I like this. In other words, changing one's fashion is more than just changing one's clothes. Fashion is more than just clothes. To be found in fashion is to be found to be relevant. In other words, fashion is is about being relevant. Is that out now? Is that, oh, oh, those pants played out. In other words, it's not in fashion. So when we talk about being, he was found in the fashion or the appearance of man, it meant that he was found in fashion, meant that he was relevant. In other words, it meant that he was in season. Fashion means that it's trendy. That's trendy now. People are wearing certain things now because it's trendy to wear. Are you tracking? So when you're found in the appearance of man, in other words, when you change your form and you change your flow and you change your fashion, you become relevant. You become in season. You become trendy. Ah, God. And fashion sometimes is risky. Uh, If you watch Risky, you watch Paris. If you watch the runway, if you watch the fashion shows, they put it out on the runway early to see how people respond to it because it's a little risky. And sometimes when you're in your culture and you start being defined in who you are, it's going to be a little risky. Not everybody's going to understand what you're doing and why God called you to do that. But you want to be common but different. Uh, That's what it is. I'm in the culture and I've merged into the culture. I'm common but I'm different. In other words, every person in the body of Christ, 
We're all of the same mind, same blood, same kind, same spirit, but each one of us is different. Everybody has a gift of their own that God has given to you to excel in. So changing your fashion is understanding your trendiness. Changing your fashion is changing your understanding your relevance. So have you ever seen someone and, and, and they as a person don't match the look that they are portraying? You see like an 80 year old man dressed like a 20 year old that don't match. And sometimes I'm saying some people are living in a way that doesn't match the purpose that God, the fashion that God has for them. In other words, you're in a culture that keeps you bound up in forever wanting the good old heyday. You're stuck and deceived by the devil who wants to dupe you into believing that yesterday was better than tomorrow. Let me tell you something. I tell people all the time, some people say, give me, tell, asking the devil, give me back whatever you stole. You stole it, you can have it. I don't want it back. I want what God has for me proceeding. I want to know what God has for me in the future. So here's what I want you to understand. When you change your fashion, you're adjusting to be able to be relevant. You're trying to be seasonal. You're coming into your risk element. Let me put the scripture back on the screen. So it says the first part of that, he says he was found, he was fashioned, he was found in the fashion or appearance as a man. So in other words, what I want you to do, listen, in, in other words, this part of it says you must be discoverable as the culture you embrace. In other words, yes, you pour yourself out, you change your flow, you merge into the group, but you must be discoverable. Oh God, this is good. Even though I'm one among 50, I must still be discoverable. The culture says, I still can find you. God says, I know every number of the hairs on your head. In other words, it's 10,000 of you. Well, 5,000 for me. He says, it's 5,000. I know every number. In other words, every number is distinguishable. Cynthia, I can still find you. Kevin, I can still find you. Lee, I can still find you. Gator, I can still find you. You're coming among all the family. It is the family business. But when you sit at my table, I know who everyone is. So he says, Jesus was found as a man. In other words, people could see him. Said, look at that man. Even though he was God, they said, look at that man. In other words, he was found as a man. They didn't find him as God. They found him as a Can you be found as what you are changing into? Can you be found that? In other words, or are you playing a role, perpetrating a part that doesn't agree with what God has, nah, never mind, it's too deep for you. He looked the part. He breathed the part. In other words, some people are so religious. They're so stuck in the old culture that they act like Christians, but they aren't Christians. Oh, that's what I'm saying. They don't live it. They don't breathe it, but they show can't act it. The word fashion means habits. In other words, you develop the lifestyle as a habit, as it's a habitual. He was found practicing and living the habits of mankind, which is interesting because that wasn't his background. God don't know how to live as a man. God was God. He came as the form of God, but his purpose, watch this, his purpose required him to take on the nature so he could redeem us. I'm telling you, God is fixing your culture so it can be adaptable to your purpose. Your culture will enhance your purpose. Where there is culture, you will find purpose. Where there is purpose, you will find culture. So being found as a man, it's how others saw him. How do people see you? You can say something is your purpose, but if people don't see you in that role, is it really your role? Some people say all the time, well, I'm a trash collector. I'm a trash collector. But if people never see you collecting trash, are you really a trash collector? I'm telling you, people walk around every day saying there are a whole lot of things, but people don't see them as that. In other words, their fashion doesn't match their words. Their fashion doesn't match their vocabulary. I'm telling you, to get in the right culture, your fashion must match, ah, God, the purpose that he's creating for you. Haven't you heard people say, I can see you doing that? Oh, you're a preacher. Oh, I can see you doing that. I remember doing a workshop and somebody came up to me and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And said, yeah, yeah, I can see you doing that. In other words, I could see the tendencies. Can people...
people see your purpose in how you live every day, how others see you is critical for the execution of your service. If people don't confirm the things you're saying, baby, check what you're doing. Your fashion is out of trend. It is out of season. You are in another era trying to do it an old way and today won't receive it. I'm so thankful for the mothers who came up to me, the deacons and the deaconess and said, one day you're going to be a preacher, Reverend. You're going to be. In other words, people were confirming my, tr- my gifts. People were confirming. If nobody confirms your gifts, baby, if people don't see you as what you think you're going to be, then baby, do something else. <laughs> but if they see you as a man, if they see you as what you say you are, when you do the miracle, that makes it a big deal. If Jesus was God and he did miracles, then people would have said, oh, well, you're supposed to do that. But as a man, they respected him and they believed him more because he was common enough to have a different power. A culture should be revealing of the most basic elements to highlight the power of the culture, not the power of the individual. You want to blend into the culture enough to where people don't point you out and make you the celebrity. They point out the power of the culture. In other words, you're not supposed to shine. The culture is not putting you on a pedestal. The culture should not make a platform for you, but it should make a platform for what is inside of you. Godly cultures change us so we can in turn change others. I'll say that again. Godly cultures change us so we in turn can change others. You've heard people say, you're a product of your environment. Haven't you heard that? Oh, they're just a product of your environment. Or people in the ghetto, they live that way because of the environment they're in. Well, many of our church services are less about power, but more rooted in culture. Sometimes you put on that Hammond B3 and the choir sings. Some people start clapping and shouting, not because they know God, but because the culture of our African-American history brings remembrance and brings up a reminiscent to make it feel like it's a memorable and powerful situation. I'm telling you, many of our cultures, many of our churches are rooted in culture. And if you aren't careful, the culture alone can make you feel religious and you miss God completely. Ain't nothing worse than going to church every Sunday feeling religious, but have no God. The culture should be modest, so the light of God is more easily visible to the inquiring eye. The preacher should not be so flamboyant that people miss God. The church should not be so opulent where people cannot see God. The church should not have so many things that are VIP and green tabled and so uh, foo-foo-ish that people miss God. I'm telling you, you blend in the culture so God can be seen. But let's look at a second part of verse 8 to give us our final piece to the culture. This is the end of it, and I want to give you this as we go on. Uh, Let me uh, give you this. uh, Be found in appearance. Uh, So you want to change the function. So we change our, our form, we change our flow, we change our fashion, and we change our function. And here's where purpose comes in. Culture should impact function. Culture should impact my function. Jesus' function changed when his culture adjusted for others. In other words, Jesus' function changed when his culture adjusted for us on earth. Function means, function refers to the way something was designed to operate. It is the action for which something is specifically fitted for. Every one of us has a function. Everything created has a function. Everybody creates something with an intended function for it. And so what I mean by Jesus's function changing is that he was designed to live and live only. Let me help you understand this. Jesus was not designed to die. Jesus was God. Jesus is God and God is alive and he is not supposed to die, but he changed his function. So that we could have a chance to live. So now the scripture says, I am he that lived, that was dead, but now liveth. In other words, I lived, I've died, and I live forevermore. In other words, he changed his regular route of living and said, I will die even though it's not in me to die. It is not even a part of my character or my nature. It is not my function. God can't die. God shouldn't die, but he did die so we 
could live. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he is God and death was not a part of his registry, but it became part of his registry when his father told him he needed to die so we could live. His function changed from living to dying, but only temporarily. But his death was the reason he came to earth. Ah, it was his purpose. Here's what I'm saying. When your function changes, that's when you recognize your purpose. Some people get mad when the boss comes to them and says, we're going to try you out in this new field. And I'm telling you, don't be so quick to be against the change of your function because the change of your function is the identifying of your purpose. The function is the reason a thing exists. Remember I told you, you create something with an intended purpose. So when I feel uh, find my function, then I find my purpose. So out of the culture arises your function. Out of your culture arises your purpose. So in other words, the culture that Jesus took on, the form of man, took on the form of servant, emptied himself out. Why? Why did he do all that? So he could rise, die, and rise again for our salvation. But it requires action on your part to materialize, to get to this. You must submit to it. You must give into it. You must obey the path that God has for you. And here's the final text today. I'm wrapping this up. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of what? Death. Even the death on a cross. In other words, Jesus became obedient and he humbled himself. So he submitted to the new path. Watch this now. The new path you must submit to. Why? Because it will lead you to your purpose. When you feel the flow of culture leading you towards something, you might be uncomfortable with it. You might be unfamiliar with it, but it could be leading you to the purpose. So watch this now. It starts way back here in the mind. In the mind, you decide I'm going to change it. You pour yourself out as a single flow, and then you enter into a flow of a larger body of water. That water creates a force. That force goes into a development of your function. That path, that flow of the water leads you to your purpose. In other words, you start walking into, don't you know that Ruth stumbled upon the blessings of Boaz? Do you get what I'm saying? She stumbled upon, she was gleaning. She, In other words, when you walk with God in his flow, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you walk in the spirit, it leads you to your truth. It leads you to the purpose. If you don't know your purpose, if you don't know your significance and your gift, you are not in the flow of the culture. The culture will give you a force that leads you to a path that patterns you to your purpose. So listen to this. He was obedient to death. In other words, death was the climax of his obedience. In other words, your purpose will be the climax of your obedience. In other words, for everything you obeyed along the journey, for everything you went through and obeyed God, your purpose is the climax of every act of obedience. Oh, that's good, PC. Jesus submitted to the form. He submitted to the flow. He submitted to the fashion, and now he's submitting to the function. How do I know he submitted? Because remember, he went to the garden, and he said, Lord God, if this be possible, let this cup pass me by. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Some of us don't want to do it. Sometimes I don't want to preach. Sometimes I don't want to go to counseling. Sometimes I don't want to help because I'm tired, because I'm frustrated, because people don't appreciate it, because people don't say thank you. And sometimes, but here I go. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You submit to the function. You humble yourself to the calling that is on your life. And so once you immersed in, once you're immersed in the culture, you must give in to your purpose. In other words, don't just sit in the culture and relish in the culture. Find your purpose. Your form has changed. You're flowing is different. You're going in a different direction. You have been found by others in this new fashion. You're relevant. You're trendy. You're seasonal. And God has revealed now your true function on earth. Give into it by serving. Embrace the culture of giving like Christ and you will see your truest self. In other words, throw yourself into things. Pour yourself out. Try stuff. Love reveals. Humility creates opportunities. Aligning your 
yourself with the family business gains you recognition. And I'm telling you, don't be a dissenter. Don't be in the body of Christ being a frustrated dissenter who is a gossiper. And so you know those people at work. You know people, they ain't happy with their own job, so they're going to make your job miserable. They spread all kind of lies and gossip and start trouble. Don't be a dissenter in the family business. Don't call yourself a Christian and then spread gossip and rumors about Christians who are trying to get their lives together. Yeah, they fail. Yeah, they stumble, but they didn't stumble so you could go put it on the news. They stumbled so you could pray with them, so you could bear their burdens with them. And I'm telling you, don't be a dissenter. I remember a meeting I went into and I told the director, I said, I got a dissenter in my, on my team. And he said, I'm going to come to the meeting. I want to see who he is. I never got to point out who the dissenter was, but after the meeting was over, the director said, I already know who the dissenter was. How? Because he knew he was telling, he could see it on his face. In other words, dissenters are dead giveaway. Their fashion hasn't changed. Their flow hasn't changed and their form haven't changed. They aren't on board and they have not embraced the culture. His demeanor gave him away. And I'm telling you, you can tell the dissenters. I can come to church and look at when we're praising and worship, the dissenters will be there like this on their phone. The dissenters won't. I say, raise your hands. The dissenters say, I ain't raising my hand. The dissenters will, will come late. They don't come on time to church. I say, be on time. And the dissenters will come when they want to. And then had the nerve to leave early. Dissenters don't give. Dissenters that way. Well, I ain't giving my money to the preacher, but you still come. Why do you come? Because you want to be a gossiper. You want to see what's going on. You want to spread stuff. Dissenters, you can tell that dog at their demeanor. They never come to the altar. They never move. They're ready to go. Right when you finish preaching, I got to go, got to go. Dissenters don't sit through the whole thing because they have their own agenda. So stop fighting God trying to do it your way and have it your way. His culture is designed for us to maximize our productivity through relational and environmental reciprocity. So everything this service offers is for your benefit. So it would behoove you to experience as much of it as possible because the more you participate, the more productive you are. Here's my conclusion. I'm done. Thank you for being a part of service, the family business culture. I hope that I've given you something that you can be blessed by. And because, listen to watch this now, listen to this. In conclusion, because of Christ's obedience to his purpose and success in assimilating to the human culture, because Jesus was obedient, guess what? God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name that one day every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. So look at the passage. The scripture says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Every name, he says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Woo, dang, even people under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all I'm saying to you is, here it is. God says, because you were obedient, because you changed your form, you were faithful in changing your flow, your fashion, and your function, I will exalt you. I will lift you up. He lifted up his name. So what are some of the names that I mentioned above? Netflix, uh, Google, Twitter, Zappos, all powerful names, powerful named companies. Why? Because they have different cultures that support and benefit their employees. So these are names that are above other businesses for various reasons. These are top companies for a reason. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you want to be a part of a name that it's above every other name, get in the culture of the family business. How would you like a name that stands out? But remember, we represent the name, the name that is above every name, his name. What's his name? Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. We pray in his name. We serve in his name. We live and move in his name. We work for that company. Who you? I don't work for Google. I work for Jesus. What company you work for? I work for the kingdom of God. In other words, that company is above every name. Why? Why is it above? Because they have a culture, a culture that supports its its employees. It supports it's Christians. It supports the saints. God loves you in spite of your mistakes. God keeps blessing you even when you do wrong. God makes an environment to give you benefits. He heals you when you get sick. He pays for your education. He gives you perks and benefits. He feeds you. He does all of this in the culture so you can give a part, be a part of a company.
something that is bigger than a name on the street and your dependence won't be on people and money and banks. Your dependence and faith will be in God because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus. Now, whose company you want to be a part of? That company or you want to be a part of some other company? Every day, watch this, every day that we perpetuate this culture, we make room for another need to bow to the power of the family business. Every time we establish this culture, we make room for another need to bow or another tongue to confess. And he shall reign forever and ever, and of his kingdom can be found no end. The kingdom rule is perpetual. Luke 1, 32, 33 says he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government would be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts accomplished this. What I'm trying to get you to see is that this company we are part of, it ain't going nowhere, boo. This kingdom is built on a foundation that will never fall. Daniel 7, 14 said, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Who you with? That's what I'm asking you. Who you with this morning? What culture are you a part of? Therefore, until we see every knee bow, until we see every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, until heaven becomes his throne and earth becomes his footstool, until his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, we in the family business must continue to build and perpetuate this culture of love in the land of which we are living. We must change our form. We must change our flow. We must change our fashion. And we must change our function. So today I'm hoping this ministry has a culture that fits you. I'm hoping you identify with like-mindedness. Being on one accord with this ministry. Coming in a humility, modesty, forgiveness, and change. Because if you can identify with this culture it is extremely likely that you will discover who you are. I told you if you come to me for 12 months, this year of 2021, I guarantee you this messages will change your life. You will learn who you are called to be and what you were designed to do and how you have uniquely been created to execute it. I close with this melodious words of Psalm 8 verses 4 through 9. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? and the son of man that thou visitest him for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands thou hast put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen yeah and the beasts of the field the fowl of the air the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth welcome to orientation day one of the family business. I'm looking forward to working more with you in the future. I'm PC, the senior pastor of this franchise, and that's all I've got. See you at the next meeting. Amen.